As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, Celtic trophyless, glass half full, and what a finale at Fur Park. I'm Andrew Slavin. Alongside me, two people who had to go through the agony of penalty shootouts this weekend. Senior producer at Motherwell, Laura Brannan, and Aberdonian, as well as journalist extraordinaire, JJ Bull. Hello to both of you. Hey. The world of elite European club football is collapsing in on itself. Does that include us, I wonder? Not, not for now, but I would suspect strongly that were a couple of clubs from Scotland to be invited into this new closed club, they would 100% take it. If that's the future, if that's where it's going, you ought to be, like, they'll want to be involved, I would have thought. It's, uh, There's odd. a lot of people that still think this genuinely won't happen, though. This new European Super League we're talking about. Uh, yeah, I mean, this thing is, though, right, so like, the when the Premier League, remember when that happened in the, well, it was 1992, I think it was, and they started the Premier League, a bit of a coup as well, that whole thing. That was when the new generation of TV deals came through and Sky became a thing. And now you've got like Amazon and Apple and Google and this whole new generation of, you don't need a satellite dish to broadcast and stream these sort of games. So it's all changed. I mean, there's a whole change to, to be with how the SPFL's doing it as well, coming up, we'll just talk about. Um, so there's a whole new kind of generation of, it's just a new part of football, isn't it? Yeah, as, uh, well, yes, really, I don't like it. Can you really <laughs> yeah. connect this, though, to the likes of, oh, I'm watching games on Amazon now? It's completely different. Yeah, it's because of the money, though. It's, it's because the new, like the new contracts and where's the money come from and they've got know, all the money. I know, but I've yet to hear of a single supporter who's actually in favour of this. I've yet to actually hear of anyone who's in favour of this, apart from big money men. I, I just, to me, it just, I think to everyone it screams greed and, and money, but also from a, a kind of, a neutral Scottish perspective I'm just kind of sitting here thinking well look we're lucky if our teams even get into the Champions League or even the Europa League at this rate and when they do it's a bit of a bonus and it's it's a, it's, it's great for Scottish football and we all support them unitedly so to speak to an extent it's, all, it's a case of like the grass is always greener sort of thing um, how quickly are these teams going to get bored of playing the same teams on repeat you but that's, that's the out. thing though, Laura, it's not, it's not about the teams, it's about the owners yeah. of these teams I know. just making as much money as possible. The football is secondary. So yeah, and that's what kills it even more because do, do these players have any say in it? Do these fans have any say in it? Does anyone, apart from just the big money men, and they're not thinking about the football element or the supporters element, it's, a, it's an absolute mental proposition in, in general terms for me and I can't see it really happening because I feel as though it's being used as a leverage to get something else. I mean we're, we're already seeing the, the new structure of the Champions League coming into place and I think there was a wording um, somewhere about there's was it four new spaces and this can be made available to the elite teams who didn't qualify um, originally which just feeds into the hands of these big clubs who just feel as though it's their right to be in the, these competitions year in year out and I'm sorry but we have champions of countries who don't get into the champions competition that to me feels like a bigger problem than just money men looking for billions and billions of pounds oh, absolutely another thing as well to remember is that this has kind of already happened. Like the Champions League is the same teams or clubs that win it every single year in the same bit every single year. And you see how it trickles down to domestic leagues. Like our domestic league 
I mean, the money that Celtic have made at the Champions League the last like nine years in a row is mental. It's it makes it uncompetitive because you cannot get close to it. Mm-hmm, Rangers mm-hmm. now the money they make from the Europa League is good, and then Champions League next season if they manage to get through that would be again it's just going to put them. You see, like, look at like, the points difference and the goal difference in the SPFL, the Premiership, I should say, every single time. Like it, it's ruined across Europe. Like all these leagues, there's a couple, like one or two teams who are just will never ever not win that league. Maybe once in a blue moon, that's when it's going to change. And so that's kind of snuck in on itself. But that's one of the things that makes Scottish football. It's quite nice about it is that apart from that, it's kind of even and it's a bit mad. There's not like this. Not, not everyone's driving a Rolls Royce to training. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, not, not where yeah. I work anyway. <laughs> <laughs> there was a great there was a great line from um uh Bielsa the Leeds manager uh where he said that the beauty of our game is that the weak can beat the powerful uh, which I really really liked. Um we we should say those as well that the SPFL uh, chief executive Neil Doncaster has uh, uh went well side by side he says he's alongside uh UEFA in this and that the the teams responsible for this um, are a clear and present danger to to our sport that we love. I think one of the other aspects is that we could lose three of our biggest players from the international stage as well. Uh, we would potentially lose Andy Robertson, Kieran Tierney and Scott McTominay. Um, now, no idea how fast this could come into play, but obviously with the Euros coming up, um, and you've got to really kind of think of the player here as well. These are three players who absolutely love playing for their countries. They've all said it quite often. You can see the way their heart in their sleeves when they play for their country. Now, to get that snatched away from them, if it did happen as quickly as the Euros, can you imagine how that would make them feel? <laughs> these are individual humans we're talking about here as well as footballers. Well, we always hear about player power. I wonder how much we're going to see of that uh, in the coming weeks. Good thing is, though, we've got cover at left back. So it's all right if those two don't make it. <laughs> and we've also got a quality right back coming up as well, Nathan Patterson. Oh. Uh, but we'll get into that a little while. I did, I did mention Neil Doncaster, um, who was in the news today, uh, basically having his own big announcement on Monday. Well, it wasn't his announcement. It was the SPFL's announcement uh, saying the SPFL Premiership clubs will be able to broadcast all 228 matches to season ticket holders after a major new deal was struck between the league and broadcaster Sky Sports for next season. This was basically the same case for, for this season, uh, but the all SPFL clubs are going to be allowed to make available season passes for their home matches to season ticket holders through online club channels. And in addition to that, all clubs will be allowed to sell any home game not broadcast live by Sky on a pay-per-view basis next season. So um, to, this, like, to, to turn and work this out, because I don't work on TV anymore, as you know, uh, are they just going to use the club's in-house equipment, but you can uh, pay-per-view it through the Sky, like Sky Go or, or through like, your, you know, your TV? Is that what that means? No, I, I, think, I, think, it's just it's... A, I think it's just a carry-on is the same as this season, yeah. which is, it's nothing to do with Sky, it's just Sky are giving the club's permission to do this for the games that they choose not to, to show themselves. Because so it's Sky all... are the exclusive rights holders of the, of the league, so they would have to, like Laura says, you're absolutely right, Laura. Yeah, I mean, the, the problem this season, I think we all kind of were in agreement with, was there's no unilateral base for all 12 teams to work from. Every club has been left to do it individually, which has caused so many problems. <laughs> problems as small as maybe there's been technical issues and if there's five other fixtures at the same time, your club doesn't get the attention it deserves from the technical yeah. support. Or bigger problems like Celtic, for example, decided not to do this, uh, take this up at all um, and offer pay-per-view. So some fans were completely left with a blackout um, unfairly compared to other supporters of other game, uh, watching other games. This, this to me is slightly concerning because it feels like it's maybe a way of saying we don't expect fans to be back next season um, and it's just a sort of kind of safety net because they've said that you can do it for the whole season. There's a few questions there. So does that mean that if fans do return and everything goes back to normal, say, for example, by October, right, and plucking it out of nowhere, um, does that mean that for the rest of the season, the 3pm blackout continues to no, no longer exist? Um, and there's discussions we had over, will this affect attendances, for example? Mm. Um, I just feel like that I'd like, I would have preferred if the SPFL had asked the questions first of... Can we guarantee supporters will be back um, for the start of the season on the basis of they are going to be 25% fans at Hamden for the Euros. 
can we guarantee that a month later at our league games, at our league cup games, and then the league games a couple of weeks after that, dependent on the, the infection numbers not changing. So that to me was felt like a priority before announcing TV deals. Yes, yeah, I suppose there are some key details that we, we haven't seen yet. Um, but in a way, Laura, because you're involved in this with, with Motherwell, um, from from the outside looking in, it's actually been really nice to see clubs kind of carve out a, a, another like identity for themselves for fans to enjoy. The likes of Ross County and St Mirren have done excellent jobs at at putting out you know local content um, for for their fan bases, and it's just that identity that that brings local people closer to the communities and closer to their clubs. Yeah, I think even just the fact that it's been an option for fans has made such a difference this season. Um, being able to know that they can tune in at three o'clock, regardless, of, as I say, regardless of where they are, if it's not Celtic Park they're playing, but knowing that they can still dedicate their Saturday to watching their games, albeit it's nowhere near the same experiences they're used to, it's still something for people yeah. to have clung on to this, this year. Uh, JJ, we had some bad news, more bad news <laughs> with regards to Scotland and the Euros. Uh, we saw uh, Ollie McBurney out. He's definitely out for the Euros, as is Ryan Jack. He's had an excellent season, um, but McBurney might not have been a, a starter, really. But Jack would have been, I think, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. well, Jack's one of the only players really got in the squad who plays that six role. If you're playing the three-man midfield, you have one that drops to collect the ball and come out from there. I'm not sure. Like I think Ryan Jack's one like a great midfielder, as I've talked about him a lot. I don't think it's the worst. Cause I, don't, I don't think the way that that Clark plays necessarily means he's essential to it. I might be totally mm-hmm. wrong, but you can find out. The natural replacement would be someone like Billy Gilmore, who plays for Chelsea, who won't be allowed to play. Because sure. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to the European Super League. Oh, yeah. um, I'm trying to think who else would be like a good... A, a, a good Player I mean, we've always role. been we've always been strong in midfield, but it's yeah. not John necessarily Fleck, that every player yeah. can play that role, like you suggest. Yeah, I mean, there's also Alan Campbell as well, who doesn't seem to be getting a look in just now uh, because it's such a, a talented midfield. And then you've got the likes of maybe like Stuart Armstrong who can drop back into no, nah, but role. they're both they're both eight, so like you can't you, and Armstrong's more of a ten. You can't really have them in that role. It's really specialised that. It's why there's so few people that can do it well. I mean, McTominay's an attacking box to box player. You can't put him there. John McGinn, he's box to box. Callum McGregor is probably the most natural person to go into that. I was just about to say Callum McGregor, yeah. Um, Well, later on, we're going to speak about Cove Rangers. Could they be championship bound? But first, the slightly more famous Rangers. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power. It's a reboot. A reboot. It's deflected and in. And Stephen Davis has the opening goal in this Scottish Cup tie. Rangers kept up their hopes of a domestic double alive as they saw off Celtic 2-0 at Ibrox on Sunday. Uh, it's Celtic's first Scottish Cup defeat in five years and one day. Um, there you go. Uh, John Kennedy kind of poured fuel onto the Rangers' fire um, after their 6-0 win against <laughs> Livingston uh, because he said that Celtic are the best team in the country on their day. So I suppose Rangers are the best team in the country on their day. And this was their day. <laughs> Isn't every club at the best team in the country yeah. on their day? Is there going to be anyone if it's their see on, day? See, on my day, JJ, I am the best podcast host in the industry. Yeah. I don't know, because like, on your day, you're obviously going to win. It'd be a stupid day otherwise. It's like, it's like in the office when Dwight says that his dream job is to be assistant to the manager of, uh, of hell or something like that. Well, there you go. Uh, what, what did you think? Where, where, I mean, Celtic had a lot of the... The, the, the chances in this game, uh, but Rangers just seem to be kind of in control um, and just were more clinical. Uh, yeah, I think Rangers were the better team. I think Celtic kind of came into it after about 15 minutes maybe and they were a bit better after that. Most of their chances were coming from long range um, and then Edward had a weird game, like just little things like the wrong choice of shot like that, fancy... F- I know what he's trying to do because if he hooks his foot round it, he's got a chance of booting over the bar. But if he flicks it over the side of his like his ankle, almost you know the yeah, chance yeah, of meaning where it's about ten yards out and this he puts is it over the bar. Second half, isn't it? Yeah, second, second half, half of this. Yeah, and then you've got a lot of shots from long range, a lot of shots straight at McGregor, which he was saving. A couple of good saves from him. Weirdly, like XG says it's something much better, but I didn't see that in the game. <laughs> Well, I think they were just getting into dangerous areas more often and probably looked more dangerous. Yeah. But 
and a few things went went Rangers way, and I suppose there was there was the Stephen Welsh um, in the six yard where it was crossed in by David Turnbull. Um, I just think Celtic just aren't very good in the final third, Laura. I think that's that's the case really, and Rangers just know what they're doing when they need to do it. Yeah, this this wasn't really a classic, was it? I I was kind of hoping for more, considering it was a cup game and. Rangers never really got out of kind of third gear. They they did what they had to do. Um, they didn't really have to step it up, and that just shows just how big a gulf there is between the two sides right now. Celtic did improve in the second half. I think I think they did create some good chances, but they just they weren't at it to make it count, and that's a that's a big problem that they're kind of suffering this season. Um, is it a lack of belief? Is that what it is? Or is this I just? I don't know. I I I don't know honestly. Um, I mean, I am kind of working at a club where we're kind of suffering of lack of confidence on the odd kind of every second or third game, and it's something that like the manager's been talking about at Motherwell. So I can see how confidence does affect players. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Celtic are okay, albeit in terms of old firm context, they're not doing well. But they're still doing very well this season. They're still winning games. Um, they've had the change of manager. They've had the change of kind of mentality, um, whatever John Kennedy has been implementing there for the weeks that he's been in charge, they should all be fighting for contracts and, and fighting for him as well. And it just kind of feels like that this was what their season was relying on, was this cup mm-hmm. run. And now they have nothing to play for. Um, it just feels like that was the one game they had to go out and fight for their lives. And the mentality just wasn't there. Yeah, I think, I think-, I think tactically as well, Rangers were just better. They, just, they had... They, like the midfield cover where they need to Celtic are playing a diamond and Rangers are not well, they're more of a 4-4-2 four, four, maybe you'd say a 4-4-1-1 four, four, one, one maybe like you, I think you saw it kind of the standard when Kent sent Brown completely the wrong way with that, oh, that, was that lovely, first that, touch yeah. like a really simple first touch but he did it's so beautiful and yeah. I mean Brown fully goes was it 10 <laughs> yards in the opposite direction like when you like when you throw a ball for a dog but you haven't <laughs> thrown the ball <laughs> it was it like that it reminded me of that David yeah. photo <laughs> Oh, I don't know so, the one you mean. The, the photo, oh, the, you've seen it, you, you'll know it if, I, if you see <laughs> it. It's the one with um, all the, the Rangers players are closing in on Scott Brown, but David Weir's just running completely the wrong direction. <laughs> um, JJ, you know how we played like fives the, the other week together? Yes. And like, if if I had attempted a, a, an overhead kick, I think I probably would have had to go to hospital. Um, <laughs> but Stephen Davis, bloody hell, he's 36 and he can be that acrobatic. But I'm always 36, I could do one of those. No, you couldn't. I probably could. It's good to finish. be fair, you didn't fall on your ass as much as I did. No, and uh, also like Stephen Davis, that's a sign of a good player. Like his decision making, that's the only way he could really have scored that goal. That's the only way he yeah. could have hit it with enough, like, power but not lift. You know, to keep it down, to get into the corner. Yeah, he's a yeah. He's been really good for Rangers. They're really he's a, clever. He's, a, he's had a great year, like making uh-huh. the, the the top appearance list for for Northern Ireland um, and lifting. Well, the it'd be between him and Jack for the play of the season. I would have thought yeah. for Rangers. I thought as well, like Nathan Patterson was oh, the ice cream man's coming. Do you want to? Can I get into name, please? Yeah, um, Nathan Patterson. Uh, I thought was he's going to be a really good player. You can tell there's certain things he doesn't do quite right now. Decision making, mm-hmm. like an example. He goes on a run on the right wing uh, and nips in behind a couple of Celtic players. Really good little run, but mm. there's no one really in support. And he might have done better just to wait that one time to look up before hitting the ball in. And then the ball he does—he doesn't hit a ball across. He just shoots into the near post, into the side netting. It's just the wrong couple of choices, but that will come with a couple of years of playing. Um, really attacking, really fast, good touch. Knows when to come and go. Like I, I think he's going to be a decent player. And Alan Hutton was saying he should be in the Scotland squad. I maybe put him in. Laura? I'm- I don't see any harm putting them in. I know, obviously, with the Euros coming up, there's a restriction in numbers compared to normal squads, but I don't oh, think... Really? He, How many is that? Do you know? Uh, well, they've increased... It was it was 23, and then they've increased it to, I think, 26 because of COVID. Okay. It's just a sort of an insurance allowance. Um, I have no objections to getting them in. For me, if you're good enough, you're old enough. I don't like this term of he's one for the future. Um, I think too many international managers have made that mistake in charge of um, well, Scotland managers uh, in the past. So yeah, I don't think he should be starting the games. I think Stephen O'Donnell's done enough to merit his position for this this tournament. But he's definitely one for the future um, and there's absolutely no harm getting him involved at this early stage. <laughs> like I just said, I hate when people say it's one for the future and then you just ended. <laughs> right, okay, let's move on. He's, he's just one for the future, but he should still be in the squad. That's the difference yeah, of it. I, no, I agree. I, know I, I think the same thing. And 
the problem is like, if you couldn't put a player that young maybe into the, the starting 11 without having played any Scotland games because it might just be too much for him I mean he was mm-hmm. good against Celtic but you can see he's you know he's le- you can see he's learning he's not yeah, quite yeah, the finished yeah, yeah, thing yeah. yet so yeah. a bit of a risk but yeah put him in the squad sure enough yeah he'll, he'll learn as well from these players that he goes to play with the likes of Kieran Tierney I mean he's he's been so many have drawn parallels with him because they both came through and the youth and just that they're obviously similar positions as well I think that's something he could really learn off of what was that ice cream van selling, JJ? <laughs> I don't know, but the police are after him. <laughs> um, I was going to finish on the fact that um, Diego Laxalt had an absolute shocker in this game. He got hooked at halftime uh, for Greg Taylor, who probably should have started. I think he's probably just as... Well, he's better. <laughs> he's a better option. But he's a better uh, defensive player, and Laxalt's probably a better attacking player. And against Rangers, I think you'd opted for Taylor from the start. For of course. But, but all their wins comes from the fullbacks and that diamond system, so that's why... Arabo like cut him to shreds for for two nil, uh, which actually came off John Joe Kenny's uh, shin, I think. But then you know the, you, I mentioned it at the top as well, like how Celtic just I don't know, like maybe a lack of belief in front of goal, and that was seen so blatantly when you saw Edouard miss the penalty. I mean, yeah, that's not belief. That's trigger, just bad but... technique. That's not the belief. That's him just not. I don't know, man. I think penalties you always have to believe you're going to score. I think McGregor said that very well. He's he's read he's read it. He, so what Edward does is he he looks to the side he's going. So he's trying to throw yeah. McGregor off. Like, I'm going that way. So he got, like a, a subtle glance. So he's like, "Ha, McGregor thinks I'm going that way." Um, so then he still puts it that way. <laughs> next up for Rangers, uh, it's League Cup winner St Johnston uh, next weekend who cruised past Clyde two nil. I should mention that Clyde. And tons of lower league clubs have a horrific fixture schedule right now. I think Clyde have played something like five games in 10 days, and it's been Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday. I mean, there was no upset coming in this game. No, it was also the SFA wanted to play this one at 11.45, which would have worked out at something like 36 hours between their games. And Callum Davison fought the corner for uh, Clyde saying, no, let's move it to later on in the evening. Which fair play. Um, it was something that Montrose didn't get the luxury of because I know yeah. that they had the same length of time between their games um, on a Thursday night and then against Kilmarnock. It was Kelly they played, wasn't it? It was Kelly, yeah. Um, so, yeah, fair play to Callum Davison. A good guy um, for allowing that to kind of get pushed back. If you weren't getting switched for TV uh, purposes, then you you kind of got the choice of when you wanted to move it to. So some teams took Friday night, some teams took Saturday lunchtime, and Saturday evening, and so on. Um, it's just a shame, Clyde. Uh, look, the the leagues are obviously the priority for a lot of clubs, lower leagues just now that are battling through these games. These like two days in between each game, they are going to be exhausted. Um, I'm impressed that they've managed to go this long. It's great um, that no club has has failed so far um, and failed to fulfil a fixture. But you've got to feel for these players that are not getting any time for recovery. Never mind training sessions. Uh, these are not big squads, remember. So, as well as being part time, <laughs> and, yeah. and some have jobs in the week and whatnot. It's it's really tough. Clyde have got to play four for on Tuesday now, uh, which is a pretty big game um, in terms of surviving relegation from League One. But one thing I we've not mentioned like uh, fantasy football Scotland for a while. Guy Melamed could be a good shout up front, couldn't he? Seven goals in twelve games now for him. Uh, I, I quite like him. He hit the bar as well in this game. Uh, um, no, I don't think so because she, I mean. And this is why you're above me in the league. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because he's playing for the team that's probably going to struggle to score a lot of goals in the top six. So if you're looking for goal scorers, you probably want the ones who are the top or the bottom six, if that makes sense. So probably like Motherwell strikers, actually, or someone like that, or or St Mirren. Uh, Otherwise, you're just not going to get many goals out of it. I know. (laughs) Don't put him in your your team. Uh, What about St Johnston then? They've they've got Rangers twice this week uh, because they've got them at McDermott Park on Wednesday. we we kind of thought St Johnson have got a really good chance to go all the way, but Rangers will be the toughest test, JJ. Yeah, I didn't realise they were playing Rangers in the Cup in the next round, so I <laughs> withdraw everything I said last week. I think Rangers <laughs> should probably walk it, um, to be honest. Although, uh, no, they'll, they'll, yeah, they'll, they'll win that. I can't see them losing any more of these games now. They set the standard. They've already had their bad Cup performances in the past, so well, I think they'll be knuckled down. Yeah, McDermott Park on Wednesday, but the cup game is at Ibrox, so we all know how good Rangers are there. Coming up, some penalty shootout drama. So it's the business end of the season and we need some results quickly. 
Welcome to the Liverpool Q2 Offsite. Let's brainstorm. Hendo. Well, I spoke to HR and they've got spare training and development budget. How about a new training ground? We tried that, it's too windy. Robbo. Uh, how about we reward good performances? Oh, for <laughs> no idea's a bad idea. Let's uh, let's take it offline, yeah? Trent. Well, Gareth won't pick me. And, uh, I need results, not excuses. Yes, Liverpool need results, but have they left it too late? Check out the Paddy Power site for the latest top four markets. Paddy Power. 18 plus, begumbleaware.org, T's and C's apply. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slayman. McCrory for a place in the Scottish Cup quarterfinals to make himself a hero, and he does! Ross McCrory settles this cup cracker for Aberdeen. JJ Bull's favourite bet, Stephen Glassie's first game in charge of Aberdeen. They progressed to the last eight, JJ, the Scottish Cup on penalties. Uh, against Livingston at Pataudry. I mean, Aberdeen aren't allowed to make things easy for themselves, are they? Uh, probably, uh, no. <laughs> uh, well, it could have been a lot easier, but I think this is a really difficult game. Like, Livingston, after getting absolutely hammered by Celtic the other day, was it 6-0? Hmm. I mean, there's no way that the manager would be... I mean, I mean, he looks so intense on the sidelines. Like, he doesn't accept anything. Like, he, he slaps his own head in frustration when something goes wrong. It's uh, it's like a... Yeah, it's quite intimidating to watch on TV, let alone be his, you know, his employee. But, uh, yeah, so, like, they were also going to be up for this one. And you know how they play? They they know when to foul. They know when to make it... They know when to block the pitch. They know how to get at teams. They like to press in a lot. And Glass came in with this. It's his first game in charge, obviously. I know a few days to actually train with the team. I think they've had some Zoom stuff before. But uh, change the system. So that 3-5-2 that, or, and 3-4-3 that I just don't like, it's not worked all season long. It's gone. In comes a really like compact, high-energy 4-2-3-1, 4-4-2. Just makes total sense. It was the same. Last week I was talking about how the gaps between the players in this 4-4-2 were, were massive, easy to play through them. Uh, the spacing, so the spacing was wrong, and also like the position, so they, they were all flat rather than having vertical differences. That you know you have to have two players in a certain vertical line. You want to have people across your horizontal bits as well. I can't really do this without showing you as a picture. It's hard to talk about. <laughs> but this this was um, just like clearly a team that had been coached. So just the very start of it, it's not perfect. It'll take a while for this to work, but you can see clearly what they want to do. They want to press higher out of possession. Uh, up the pitch, and when they fall behind the the ball, they get everyone into a into a block, and then when they have the ball, there's players in the opposition half. That at one point in the game, you had the two centre backs, Constant and Hoban, were like beyond the this centre circle. I haven't seen that for about seven years or something. So because they're up there, when Livingston try to clear it, sure enough, they can recycle the ball and keep keep going because they're not all, you know it's spread out so. It's not such a, a huge distance between striker and defender. If that makes that makes sense. Yeah. yeah so yeah. The, the pitch is smaller almost, so it's more difficult for the team to get out. But it's not perfect. Um, well, it's not perfect because Aberdeen had to come from behind twice. Twice, yeah. Um, and how is what's the latest with Joe Lewis? Because he came off, and um, a goalkeeper you've been highly critical of in the past, Gary Woods <laughs> came on and didn't have a great start. But what's the latest on Joe Lewis? I th- um, as far as I'm aware, he might be out for a couple of games. Let me just double check. So you've got Gary Woods for a couple of games. Uh, so yeah, it's meant to be it meant to be some confirmation tomorrow at, or today apparently. We're recording this on the Monday, um, so it could be come in by the time we recorded. But he had to use a scan, so could be this out for a couple of games. Okay. Might not. Yeah, yeah. Makes a yeah. Gary Woods, he's a subkeeper. Gets his chance. He let in a goal early on, but it's not really his fault. It's I would say a minute after Schultz went yeah. off or something like that, wasn't it? Well, it wasn't really his fault. It was a good finish from Emmanuel Thomas, though. Yeah, I mean, I can't really talk about Emmanuel Thomas without talking about how on earth he's managed to get a penalty for. <laughs> like, yeah. have you have you seen the foul? 
I d- no, because there wasn't one. Correct. <laughs> yes. There we go. Smooth. It's just bonkers, isn't it? Yeah, very, Absolutely very bizarre. Soft. Is that very the softest soft. you've seen, Laura? <laughs> no, don't be daft. I've seen a lot of crazy penalties this season. Yeah, there has. Yeah, um, that was one of them, yeah. yeah. Um, our friend Benji Palmer uh, observed that the gorgeous Alan Russell seemed to be doing a lot of the, the pre-extra time team talk. I mean, you've mentioned before, JJ, that he's quite an exciting coach to have at the club. Yeah. I've seen some people, like, I don't want to talk about Twitter, so this is full of... Yeah. But, like, <laughs> this is this is totally normal. It's a coaching team. And often what you'll do is you don't have the same voice all of the time. So yeah. if Glass is giving certain instructions at certain times, then other coaches can give team talks. Sometimes players do team talks. Like, Pep Guardiola at Bayern Munich would never go in to the to the dressing room before a game or Barcelona never going to the dressing room before a game because the players can do it they, the team talks are done in the morning of the game or the day before they'd go through like the setup for the game the, the game yeah. plan people always talk about they had a great game plan the game plan is like how you address certain issues in the game to then use your tactical system to work in the game and that's all done early and then that's like get revved up come on lads and then all that stuff like you know whether that has an effect or not Stuck into them. Well, he's, that's Sunday League <laughs> stuff. Like, whether it ever works, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, Livy, I don't think Livy were bad, and they were they were unfortunate. Aberdeen got the job done uh, through penalties. So it's how just, bad was a Livy keeper at the penalties? Though I felt like he barely moved. <laughs> it was oh, see, you're watching it, like jump, do anything, move, try and second guess the player taking the penalty, do absolutely anything to try and stop this ball going in the back of the net. But no, I, mean, I know Jason Holt cracked one off the bar, but. Yeah, it, they, they, weren't, they weren't the best uh, penalties, were they? No, they weren't, they weren't. Um, I haven't mentioned that Niall McGinn, um, he scored the first goal of Stephen Glass's reign. Uh, he also scored the first goal in Derek McInnes's reign eight years ago. That reminds me of a good Sliding start doors. That, that reminds me of a good start that I saw Rangers tweet earlier um, <laughs> that Stephen Davis has scored in three different decades against Celtic. And Alan McGregor has saved a penalty in three different decades against Celtic. Well, there you go. Symmetry. Symmetry. Um, we'll end quickly again on, on Livingston. The whole season kind of hinges on finishing fifth now, uh, which could potentially mean a place in the sexy league. <laughs> if it by exists. Yeah. yeah. I love I mean, how we're rolling with this. Yeah, by this, I mean I mean the Conference League, the new uh, thing that's coming in from, from UEFA. Not that weird, massive thing, the scumbag league. The ESL, the sexy league in the scumbag league. I like this. Yeah. <laughs> Although, well, as we had discussed before, there's not a guarantee yet that Livy might actually, not, they might not be allowed into Europe. Um, so I think it would be nice for them to hear one way or the other if, if that's going to be the case. This is because they I, don't have like a, a youth um, set up or something like that. Literally. Yeah, there's and something there's like about a issue with accounts as well, isn't it? Yeah, there's accounts in the youth academy um, issue that. That grants them permission to play in Europe. Uh, they're okay. missing this, so there's question marks over whether they would be allowed to play in Europe. It's not been clarified yet. I suspect UEFA are quite busy <laughs> right now, and that's <laughs> maybe why we're not hearing the outcome. But I mean, from a Livingston perspective, I think they would be wanting to know before the end of the season if they can actually celebrate a place in Europe. <laughs> well, they still have a lot to play for. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, what about Motherwell? Uh, they needed penalties, Laura, uh, to get. Get rid of Greenock Morton on Friday. Uh, must have been a tense moment for you. Where were you positioned for penalties? Uh, I was on the halfway line, actually, um, in the empty stand. That's where I filmed from. And, yeah, it was a long night. <laughs> it was a very long <laughs> night. Um, and like a, like, like a good bus, you wait all night for a goal and then to come along at once. Um, <laughs> you get full panic mode when you're... Um, videoing a game and it goes to penalties there was a lot of throwing cameras around and lenses and, and microphones and <laughs> batteries and stuff but um, come on who doesn't love a good penalty shootout I'm quite lucky that I've seen Motherwell take two penalty shootouts now this season and obviously Scotland as well and out of the four penalty shootouts my team have not missed a single one so I've still got a 100% record there <laughs> watching yeah. um, all, all, all both sides so um, yeah and the boy you scored for um, for, for Morton was the son of Jan Aga Fjortoft, the, yeah, the journalist, is it? Marcus Fjortoft. Yeah, he is. Yeah, uh, he is. Yeah. Oh, great. He's a good guy. I've met him a few times. He's so much fun. <laughs> I can't say about... I don't know about his son. 
I'm sure he's um, lovely too. Yeah. He's he's got great hair. He was not lovely on Friday night when he scored that equaliser. I'll tell you. Have you seen Have you seen Martin's um, little gif? You know, lots of clubs have like make their own gifts for like goal celebrations. Have you seen Marcus Fjortov's one? It's <laughs> it like head like banging because he's got amazing like hair. I say amazing. It's just long. I was going to um, say it looked like the wee girl in, in the ring. It's just got hair over her face. It's not that bad. That's terrifying. <laughs> this is beautiful. And uh, he, he, he does like a head banging thing. And then it's like, yeah. And so like my understanding then is that if you watch it, he'll then come out of your computer screen <laughs> and haunt what happens in the ring. They say haunt you. So that's ring. The girl from but, the ring does that weird noise, right? Like, ah, 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 thing, doesn't it? <laughs> Maybe this will be, Wow, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you, just, you just have Marcus Fjortov living in your kitchen. That's not ideal. Okay. So, yeah, how good was Steve O'Donnell, though? Doug Mullivell out of a hole, um, scoring in the 121st minute and then scoring the winning penalty as well. So that was that was a good night for him. Um, not a great night that Mullivell had to rely on penalties though, to get past struggling Morton. Um, I think just now confidence is such a big issue at Mullivell um, in terms of... We one day it's there and it's great, um, and then the next it's non-existent, and there's no real knowing just now which motherwell's going to turn up. Um, that's something that Graham Alexander was talking about after the game. It's just so important. Without the confidence in the squad, in the team, the starting lineup, then they don't play good football, and that is that the, that's the main problem. When it's there, then great. Motherwell will go out, and we've seen it already this season. They've beaten Aberdeen, they've beaten Hibs, they've, they've drawn the Rangers, um, and it's it's really good performances. Lost to Hamilton. But that's the thing. Then the team when they don't turn up, they yeah. they struggle. They, they they ship four goals to Hamilton. They ship four goals to to um, Kilmarnock, three to St Johnson, and it's a, it's a really bad day. And this is what I've seen yeah. before: is you you kind of get a really good day or a really bad day. And it's right now we're not really seeing a kind of in between <laughs> right now. Um, so. That's a big thing that Graham Alexander needs to nail. Is that kind of inconsistency in confidence? Well, it's gonna it's gonna be a tough day uh, next weekend because you're up against Hibs, because um, Jack Rossi's side ran out four now winners uh, against League Two Stranraer on Sunday, um, and all the all the front three, all the big hitters, um, who I think are all on double figures now for this season, uh, Dodge, Nisbet, and Boyle all on the score sheet, um, and it was pretty. I think that. Uh, it was obvious that they were going to win this game, but Stranraer had a really good chance at one point when the game was at uh, 1-0. And I think it was... I um, can't remember who took the shot, but it ricocheted off Daryl Duffy and it definitely looked like it was going in. And just at those like pivotal moments, it just, it just changes games a little bit. But what am I talking about? Hibs were, were easy winners on this one. Boyle with a double. Yeah, yeah. Um, easy. Yeah, easy. It's a weird game, right? Uh, one of those things when you have the referee refereeing this where their team is just clearly battering the other one. And then the boy Scott Robertson playing in defence should have been sent off about eight times just for like stupid little fouls, <laughs> like kicking someone. Yeah, he gave away a penalty as well, with... didn't he? Yeah, he should have been booked for that. Like if that was the if that was Premiership, he'd been booked, no, no doubt about it. It's, it's funny how like the rules sort of adjust. You know how like you see uh, top level football and a foul goes in, they're booked for it, like that's never a booking. But then you play Sunday League and someone like sends you into outer space and it's not even a foul sometimes. <laughs> like the way that it adjusts is odd, I think. One rule for some, yeah. But we should we should mention for for Hibs two semi finals uh, this season, the League Cup and last season Scottish Cup. Do we think that this could be one of those times that Hibs could go and get to the final, Laura? It'd be quite some start to say they've made three semi finals in one season, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, obviously Strange you'd one. hope they don't make it because yeah, you. <laughs> I mean, I obviously don't want Hibs to make it to the semi final because they've got Motherwell next week. Yeah. Um, but then also, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. Um, Motherwell have not Hibs have failed to score a goal against Motherwell at home this season. Uh, I think last time Motherwell went to play Easter Road, they surprised quite a lot of people by winning two 0 So. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion just because you look at the league positions and say yes, Hibs are in a much more comfortable position in the league table. I think if you take the kind of maybe Rangers St Johnson game out of it, I don't think you can call any of the quarterfinals at this stage. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, Dundee United, they're unbeaten in six games now after narrowly getting past League One Forfar Athletic. Um, full credit to Fulfer, we have to say, another club that have um, had a lot of fixtures uh, put on them. I think this is their fifth game in 11 days. They actually kind of held held their own for most of this game because it only finished 1-0, didn't it? Yeah, I, f- I find it interesting also that Gary Irvin's in temporary charge just now. Um, 
he's obviously playing. Um, he played, I think, the full game in defence. I'm quite intrigued just to know how this works. I've never experienced it personally um, in anything I've worked in in football. So I'd really like to know who's calling the shots, who's who's making the decisions on the subs. Um, is it what JJ was saying earlier in terms of just all the coaches and it becomes just a kind of equal game at that point between those in the dugout? Mm-hmm. Or are they still taking instructions for him while he's on the pitch? I just I find it really interesting. I'd like to kind of talk to somebody about that, who's experienced that in more detail. I suppose though, when you're when you're in like difficulties, like a lot of these clubs are right now, um, it kind of brings you closer together. And with Forfar being bottom of League One right now, I think they're eight points from safety or something like that, with only five games to go, and they go into a game like this and they're you know resolute in defence. I think Dundee United had to score from range, JJ. I think it was it was Peter Pollard, wasn't it? Um, with with the goal, but it's one of these things where you kind of have to tip your hat to a team like Forfar who are struggling, um, but can still um, hold their heads quite high in this one. Yeah, and one thing that's uh, maybe interesting about Dundee United, and I haven't seen this full game, so I don't know exactly how it's going, but uh, they play under Mellon sort of football that is often works quite well in cup games, like knockout games. Very defensive, preying on a mistake. Just don't let anything through and then you score some awful goal on the break or you get a set piece, something like that's all you need, or a pollet from long range, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So even though you don't have the strongest team, you play like that, sometimes you win cups, see it quite often. You Maybe. never know. Maybe, Maybe. you never know. <laughs> what about St Mirren then? They saw off Inverness 2-1 with a last-minute winner from Marcus Fraser. Uh, but Inverness took the lead in this one. Uh, Todorov, I think it was, with... Uh, I think his fifth goal in five games or something like that. Neil McCann, who's obviously still in charge with, with Callie Thistle, because John Robertson is has taken a, a leave of absence. Um, but they've got Kilmarnock away in the quarterfinals. Jim Goodwin's side, um, I've got a good chance to reach the semis of both cup competitions, which they definitely would have taken at the start of the season, because um, obviously they missed out on top six. But this is another good thing uh, for St Mirren, Laura. Yeah, Jim Goodman was saying that this is where they want to consistently be be showing up, going far in these cup competitions. And obviously, they they missed out. They will still be hurting from just missing out in the last kind of dying minutes before the split. So this is good. This is this gives them something to kind of really kind of go for towards the end of the season after having that initial disappointment a couple of weeks back. Two semi finals in one season again. They're not as big a club as Hibs, so to have that stat as well, great for the fans. Um, I think, I think it's really encouraging that a club like St Mirren are actually aiming to to go that far in competitions year in year out, and 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 really do that for the supporters. It's, it's exciting, and yeah, good luck to them. Yeah, Christian Dennis also scored. He got the equaliser, a really good finish as well. And I, I remember tipping him for good things at the start of the season. He needs, he is a good player. He will do better. Um, and hopefully, I hope he stays in Scottish football for next season. Uh, Kilmarnock, they made light work of League One Montrose on Saturday. Uh, like you said, Laura, another yeah, <laughs> a horrible uh, time of it with fixtures. But a three-one win at Rugby Park, two 0 up after twenty-four minutes. JJ, a professional job. Yeah, I mean, you expect them to beat them, wouldn't you? Because they're higher up uh, in the league pyramid system. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, it's not really much to say. They just should have beaten them, and they did. Like, <laughs> yeah. I really, I really love this term. It's a professional job. You always hear it in the cup stages when it's a, a Premiership team are playing a lower league team, and they beat what them about? quite comfortably. It's always it's yeah. a professional job. What's I mean, it literally an unprofessional is. job. What it literally proper... is a professional jobs to win. Like, so... But what's an unprofessional what? job? Is that about... is that a, a bad? Scraping by and uh, turning up pissed, or, <laughs> or that that's that's a quite a fun what about job. A, what about a proper a proper job? <laughs> proper job, uh, yeah. I think it's it's coming together for Kelly. Um, I think at the right time just now. They kind of struggled at the start with Tommy Wright. Um, in terms of settling in, obviously, with um, obviously Lafferty as well coming in and him getting settled. But it's kind of clicking just now. Albeit performance wise, no, they still don't look comfortable on the pitch. They don't look. Too good in defence, still a bit dodgy mm-hmm. at the back, um, but they are scoring goals. They've scored now nine goals in three games, and no matter how dodgy you look at the back, <laughs> if you're going to be scoring for fun at the front, that's still going to win you games. Um, it yeah. should do. So it may be a nervy end to the season for Kelly fans, but if they kind of keep going the way they're going, it could also be quite an entertaining end as well. Well, well how about some Lafferty stats for you? Um, he has scored or assisted ten goals in six starts for Kilmarnock. So you're right, Laura. He has made a difference. Um, but this is a this is a competition that maybe JJ Kilmarnock would 
rather not focus on because it's all about safety for them. I don't think there's any club that just says, oh, we're going to sack off the cup or focus on this. They just want to win every game. One game at a time, we go again. That, that's all. I mean, God, that's, you're so media trained. Well, it's it's a cliche job. sirens going. <laughs> yeah, that's, what, that's what I mean. That's literally what I'm making fun of. Yeah, it's a tough game. It'll be a tough game. <laughs> tough yeah, that's what, that's just what they do. Oh, but like, I hate that's, that. genuinely, they'll just be working on each game. No, like, it's weird to suggest that a team's going to only focus on one competition or anything like that. They're, they're going to try and win it whatever they can. Uh, like, like you're saying about come on, the good thing now is that because they're. Tommy has got a reputation of being quite defensive because his teams are always very defensive. Having mm. a bit of threat up front is what Kamarika lacked all season long. It was all Chris yeah. Barrick. They weren't really doing anything and Lafferty's made that. It means you don't have to defend all of the game. They've got a bit up top, which means they can push a little bit forward. I mean, other teams can't just go at them knowing they've got no threat, yeah. which is good. Very good, good for Kamarnik. Well, we've kind of wrapped up all the Scottish Cup stuff. After the break, Cove is coming up. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Time now to hear from our friends Paddy Power, courtesy of producer Charlie. Full set of midweek Premiership fixtures to look forward to on Wednesday. Yeah, and no game bigger than the Lanarkshire Derby. The only team Hamilton have beaten in 2021 is Motherwell. They've done it twice, which is why Ackies have announced plans to break away into a two-team Super League with the Steelmen in 2022. I like it. Laura doesn't look convinced. So will it be third time lucky for Motherwell this year? Paddy Power make Graham Alexander's side slight favourites at 11-8, with Hamilton 15-8. The draw is 9-4. First goal scorer, it's got to be Devante Cole. His name rhymes with goal, for crying out loud. He's the favourite at 3-1. to one. Ross Callahan's name isn't even close to rhyming with goal, but he's still second favourite at 5-1. to one. Well, maybe Callahan can. I don't know. <laughs> oh, there we go. Anyway, I saw, I've still stolen this from someone on, someone on Twitter. I can't remember who it was. I'm sorry, but they said that uh, it would be good if we just put Hamilton into the European Super Leagues, but that only we will ever get rid of them from the Premiership. <laughs> saw that as well. <laughs> uh, well, you can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply, and when the fun stops, stop. <laughs> The big game in the SPFL from the weekend saw the top two meet in League One as Cove Rangers hosted leaders Falkirk and Paul Hartley's side won 2-0 to go level on points at the top of the table. We're joined now by Jamie Durant from the Press and Journal who's been covering Cove over the last few years. And Jamie, with both clubs level on points, separated only by a goal, they both play on Tuesday night before the split. Who's got the advantage? I think the win on Saturday gives... Cove a huge advantage going into these final few games of the season. I mean, they played Falkirk once earlier in the season back in November and were beaten one, uh, kind of think it was one nil. And they were, they gave a good account of themselves that day as well. So, but I think the real turning point for them has been since coming back from the, from the kind of shutdown last month, they've not lost a game and they've beaten now Falkirk and Airdrie who are kind of teams in the, in the top half. But I think getting the win over, over Falkirk on Saturday, and by all accounts, they were probably the better team as well. That'll give them a real lift going into these these final few games. I mean, tomorrow night, looking at the fixtures and how tight it is at the at the top of League One, I'd expect I'd expect Cove, Falkirk, and Partick probably all to all to win. So I think the picture will probably be looking the same heading into the split, and then over the I think it's the the four games in ten days or whatever. It's going to be an absolute bun fight to the finish. 
Um, and the, kind of looking at the at the schedule for next for the next week, I think the key games could come on the the twenty seventh and the 29th, because I think it's first v third on the on the twenty seventh and first v second on the 29th. Um, so that could give you a kind of a clearer indication of who's going to end up in the playoffs and who's going to actually take automatic promotion. I'm really intrigued just at how these players are physically coping with the demands right now of the schedule. But I would imagine that the the close proximity of the teams around you must really be motivating the players to just sort of ignore the kind of physical aspect of it and be really driven just to kind of fight going into the last couple of games. Have you seen like have you seen the players tiring over the last couple of games, or have you seen that motivation going through? I think that motivation is is clearly still there. I think. From a player's point of view, and speaking to quite a few of them, any player would prefer to be to be playing rather than training. The managers maybe don't feel feel that way. I think they'd probably rather have the time to work on things and put little things right. But Paul Hartley's kind of said quite a few times over over the past few weeks, it's been more about recovery in these kind of training sessions that they've been doing rather than than any kind of tangible kind of work. Um, he's tried to rotate the squad where possible. They don't have a have a massive squad. And I think there's quite a few players that have played played a high number of minutes over the last few weeks, but they seem to be kind of fighting through, fighting through it just now, and they're still picking up results as well. And I mean, like I said before, they've not been beaten yet since since football resumed in the lower leagues last month, which they take kind of a, a huge pride in. Would you say uh, Cove have the best players in the division, or is is Hartley getting more out of them than it's maybe there? They, they got. They promoted last season, right? So they added some players that have come in, but are they actually good enough to go up straight away, do you think? I think it's it's well within the possibilities to go up this season. I think they have kept, by and large, the same squad that, that got them promoted into the SPFL in, in 2019, but a lot of those mm. players had already played at League One and League Two level um, before, mainly with, with Peterhead and obviously the local proximity to, to Cove has obviously seen quite a few of them move and I think that closeness from the time firstly when they played together in the youth teams at Aberdeen and then maybe when they moved over to Peterhead as well that's kind of helped them along and they have added bits and bobs along the way I mean Fraser Fivey is a player that it's is probably too good for this level but he's found a, a situation that works for him on and off the field that he's he's playing well regularly he's playing well and enjoying his football at Cove and he's got a job away from the game as well and that suits him and then they've made good use of the of the loan system as well from the contacts that Paul Hartley and his assistant Gordon Young have got with players that have come up from uh, Motherwell, Dundee, Dundee United, and a couple that have recently come in from from Aberdeen as well. I mean, there's there's quality there. They'd obviously love the manager. Would obviously, love to be able to work with them on a full time basis, and you may even see them. May even think you could get more out of them on a on a full-time basis. But I think it says a lot that at the minute they are kind of separating the two, the two kind of full-time teams at the top of the, at the top of league one and teams who've had kind of premiership experience in the not too, not too distant past. I mean, Cove are going for obviously a third promotion in a row. Um, I, I know there was a lot of talk about how much money's been put into the club and how they're, they're really going for it. I mean, this, this, this could actually happen. They could kind of jump up the leagues very quickly. Do, do you get the sense that, that Cove are, are where they deserve to be. Do they feel like? Do they feel almost like they are still a small club for being in League One, or do they almost feel as even a, like they've outgrown League One and they they should be heading up the, the divisions? They've always kind of they've always kind of said they are the new, still the new boys on the block as far as the SPFL's concerned because they are still the most recent team that's promoted into the league. And I think they came in with a five year plan to reach the championship. And they are ahead of schedule. And obviously, if they get promoted again, they will be even further ahead of schedule. But that can be amended. They will obviously have to look at the kind of part, the part-time, full-time situation in the in the near future if that continues. Because obviously, if they move up to the championship, I imagine they would that would need to to change in some respect. But I think they do get the feeling that they do kind of belong at this level now. And the players that they've got, it's not kind of like a bunch of players that have never experienced it before. They've, they've kind of played played at this level and know what it takes to kind of win. It's just kind of as a group together, they're, they're doing it just now. And I think each game, you're kind of seeing that that confidence grow and say that getting a result like that on Saturday against Falkirk, I think that will that'll be huge for them going into these final 
well, hopefully for them, kind of five games, but potentially playoffs at the end of it as well. If and when Cove get to the Premiership, right? You get a play. <laughs> it's going to happen. And then you get games against Aberdeen. Like, I'm from there too, but like, it's going to be a weird derby, right? Because the way the city sort of split and where the fans are going to go to, do you think there'll be any sort of animosity whatsoever? Is it going to be a... What sort of event is that going to be? Just before you answer that, I mean, for me, what's the distance between Cove and Aberdeen? What is the... How close are they? It's maybe about kind of five, ten minutes drive from the city centre. So it's not... It's not a huge distance. Um <laughs> I agree. It probably would be a little bit of a, a strange derby because, like, it'd be nice. It's not it'd be a, a nice derby, wouldn't it? It'd be, it'd be different. <laughs> it certainly would. Um, because I mean, what a lovely derby. It would be because <laughs> <laughs> they are obviously so close together, and through no fault of kind of coves, obviously they'll have not really had anything to do with each other over the years. Maybe apart from playing the odd friendly, and they've obviously seen there's a couple of players that have that have kind of gone on loan to to call from Aberdeen in the last couple of months. And again, that could play into into Aberdeen's hands and having a, a local club playing at a decent level. But if it does come to that stage where they're playing in the, in the Premiership together, I think it, it could be quite a unique experience because the two clubs that have not really had a lot of kind of games against each other, I don't think you'd get too much animosity there. I think over the past couple of years, maybe before all the kind of the COVID stuff happened, I think you might have got quite a few... Aberdeen fans that would go to watch Cove when Aberdeen were away from home and Cove had yeah. kind of garnered. They'll end up supporting both when someone scores. It'll be. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, they'd garnered quite a good support last season before it all shut down. I think they had, like, an average attendance, home attendance of around 600, 650, which was one of the kind of the highest in the division in League Two, which for its, a club in its first season at that level is, I think, it's something to be to be proud of. I mean, I don't think attendances across the board will, will be affected whenever we come out of this and supporters are allowed back into, into grounds again. But I think it'll be, I certainly think it would be a, a unique and an interesting spectacle when, if and when Coven and Aberdeen are in the same league together. What, what, what I don't know is, what is the backing of Cove? Who supports Cove? Where's the, where's like the money come from as such? And do they have a lot of, of financial backing? There's money in Aberdeen. Is that what it is? Is that is it just a good place to? <laughs> I think have they've, some money they've got all? they've got some kind of guys behind the scenes that are kind of quite happy to to kind of put money into the into the club, and they certainly are a well resourced well resourced kind of outfit. But I don't think they've gone about it in in a in a daft way. They've not kind of thrown like daft money at it. They've they've not gone and. and brought in way too many players for, for this level or they've not gone and, and spent loads of money on trying to get players from, say, the Premiership to come down and, and play. They've picked up the odds, odd free agent that's maybe been released. I mean, off the park, they've got this stadium that's been open for, what, be three years this summer That's that's been superb for them. It's, it's kind of been a real fortress for them since they kind of came into the, into the league. So I think they've, they've got good foundations there if and when they kind of obviously make the moves up the leagues further with the, that might be challenged a little bit but I think the they've got the foundations in place certainly to uh, to make themselves a, a kind of a club that's going to be an established SPFL team perhaps in the championship and, and who knows even even further up Well let's look at a couple of midweek premiership games there's six of them it's a full fixture list on Wednesday um, are you guys looking forward to any I mean ones that stick out are probably um, Aberdeen against Celtic um, maybe Hamilton Motherwell Laura yeah um, Motherwell could secure safety mathematically if they win at New Douglas Park easier said than done this season but it would be good <laughs> and in you the process you've not, let, you've not enjoyed playing Hamil uh, Hamilton this season <laughs> it's not been good it's not been good yeah. for a few games now um, but in the process we could also sink Hamilton closer to relegation um, so there's a, there's a tasty derby at stake don't here don't do that <laughs> they're certainly not um, your end of season boring play out with nothing to play for there's a lot to play for for both sides in this one so mm -hmm. this this could be one of the, the last um, good tasty derbies of the, the season I think what do you think JJ for Aberdeen do you think Glass will um, have a, as 
a positive attitude as he as he did in his first game? Will he go more defensive? Do you think because it's Celtic? Uh, it, it, that's an interesting question. I hadn't actually thought of that. Uh, <laughs> it, well, it's, it's interesting, right? So the problem that we kind of always had, he was always blamed for not having a goal. When you have a goal, you get torn apart by teams like Celtic, who will be hurting after losing to Rangers in the cup. So like, there's that. How did you go in. English? Because it's just doing the cliches of the media stuff, you know, like everyone falls into oh, it. Yeah, you know, yeah. they'll, they'll want to fight back after suffering a horrible defeat to their arch rivals. Uh, <laughs> I think the, what we'll see is just like Glass has to set up that Charlie? team now. <laughs> Glass has got to set that team up and then to, to send it forward. He's got a few games now to ideally to finish third if possible. It, you'll see the starts of what he wants to do. It'll take a bit of time for that to really properly manifest, but you'll get more of an idea of what he wants to like. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I really can't call it. I have no idea. But it's, yeah. it's exciting. It's exciting actually being an Aberdeen fan because it's it's the start of a new era. Whether it's good or not, uh, we don't know. But yeah, it's definitely. It looks like it's been well coached. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, uh, Ross County St Mirren could be an interesting one, uh, just because I think St Mirren are pretty safe. Ross County, if they could win, it would definitely go a long way uh, to getting survival for them. But look, that's it from us. Um, we've come to the end of our time uh, thank you for listening thanks JJ thanks Laura uh, and to Jamie uh, from Press and Journal uh, also special mention for the little kicks for their awesome theme song producer Charlie thanks for making us sound kind of audible uh, we'll be back next Tuesday have a great week we'll see you then you've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show part of the Athletic Podcast Network Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletics Football Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual places, or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Scottish Football Show is a Money Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.